Welcome to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Curtis Birch, host and producer on News Radio 630, WLAP, the home of the Cats, right here in Lexington. And I'm Kyle Tucker of The Athletic, and together, Curtis and I are here every day, Monday through Friday, talking the Cats. If it's a big deal to the Big Blue Nation, you can hear it right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. This edition of the show is brought to you by Skyline Chili. We'll tell you a little bit more about them in a bit. Uh, we got to talk. We got to preview Kentucky versus Ole Miss. I got to tell the tales of trying to cover that game in Knoxville. And then at the end, I'm going to drop in some draft NFL draft coverage because I got to do an interview with um, one of the guys from the Locked On NFL Draft podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Um, so that'll be the very end of this. So stay tuned for that and get an update on Josh Allen. It was recorded before the Combine, so it won't have that numbers in it. But uh, let's just start with the Ole Miss game. Kyle, we are recording again in our dungeness memorial coliseum studio that we have co-opted and we just heard from tony barbie emmanuel quickly and kelton johnson i don't know about you but they didn't say anything super interesting to me no i think the one thing that uh, everybody will want to hear is that kelton johnson i i cracked the code uh, oh. Kellen Johnson blowing the kiss or whatever it was, the smooch and the I love you across the lane and everybody thought was an Instagram model who wasn't even sitting on that side of the court at the time that this, the uh, gesture was made but turned into a national thing. Uh, he said he was doing, he was mouthing I love you to P.J. Washington. There you go. Because P.J. was having a rough game and he wanted him to know we love you and we have your back. Okay. So... Well, that that is conspiracy one, over. That is one good, interesting nugget that came from this. I guess the only other thing that's coming to my mind off the top of it is the fact that Tony Barbie talked about selfishness extending to the defensive end of the court, which they've talked about earlier in the season, but I guess is kind of coming back into vogue. And it was pretty evident in the loss at Tennessee. But let's jump into the Ole Miss game. I mean, they have that was that was kind of the theme overall, I guess, from talking to these guys is Ole Miss has got some dudes that can score from the wing, and obviously they couldn't stop uh, Tennessee's guy who was scoring from the perimeter in Jordan Bone in the last game. Yeah, Tyree uh, is a quick guard, uh, really good guard for Ole Miss, who's averaging 18 points a game, shooting 40% from three, averages about five and a half three-point attempts per game, so that's a big part of his game. Uh, makes a couple every game. Um, you know, this – this is a an area that's been exposed that you know Kentucky uh, of late and certainly in that last game not defending great on the perimeter. I mean, in the in the first half of the Arkansas game, they didn't defend the perimeter. Um, so, I think at this point you're and, and I would say of late more often than not, Ashton Higgins has been bad on defense yes. as opposed to good. Uh, now he's had a couple good games. He had a good good second half in that Arkansas game. Uh, shutting down Joe, who was going off for Arkansas, but I uh, uh, Joe's his last name, not his first. <laughs> just not just a random guy named Joe or or Joe Masato, our old friend. Um, you know, it's certainly a worry. Uh, the other uh, sort of newsy thing about this game, uh, we don't we got very little of an update from Tony Barbie on Reed Travis's availability. We got Noah. Yeah, he said he does not know. That was the extent of his quote about Reed Travis's status. Uh, That's a question for the, the question for staff. the medical staff. And would Reed Travis practice today? Uh, he does not know. So, <laughs> um, I talked to some people in Knoxville um, uh, while we were in Knoxville. Pretty pretty confident we're not going to see Reed Travis until the senior night game against yeah. at home against Florida at the earliest. If we see him, I mean, I will see him that night. They're going to honor him. 
probably almost regardless. I mean, he can walk. You know, he's not. Uh, you know, <laughs> well, they'll have to wheel him out yeah. there. <laughs> no, I mean, he, you know, he's walking around fine. Um, I would guess they'll play him in that game. I mean, I think you probably want to get, if you're going to play him in the SEC tournament, you'd love to have yeah. him knock a little rust off. The one thing I wonder, and we we mentioned we were on Tom Leach's show this morning, that I wonder and think you got to worry about a little bit though, whether you play him in the final regular season game or not. Even if you hold him all the way until then, do you really want Reed Travis to play three? You mentioned this, I think, three games in three days it's on that be- on a on a knee that he's coming back from a, an injury in. Um, do you just sit him until the semifinal against Tennessee Ooh. and play him that one game and then let him rest? That would be a heck of a thing if they like played him in the first two games and then sat him in the championship. I would absolutely sit him in the championship yeah. game, like without a doubt. Because but, he, the, the one, way. because Cal loves a team going into the tournament mad. Yeah, I mean, you can't convince well, me that he didn't sort of pull a Patino and and throw the uh, SEC title game in twenty. No, no, Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Yeah, wanted Michael Kidd Gilchrist wanted Darius Miller to play right. <laughs> yeah, except for the fact that if they hadn't lost on a buzzer beater to Indiana, Cal Perry would have personally suited up and played to make sure they didn't yeah. lose their undefeated season. Um, I, you know, it wouldn't. I think I'd sit him. I think. I think you might play him against Tennessee if you want to try to get your one seed. Because well, it's think, not going to matter. The well, SEC uh, championship game, if it's against LSU, point, though, it really isn't probably going to matter. To your point, I do think he needs to play, like to get ready, yeah. like get back in some kind of even flow. If but, even if it's 15 minutes yeah, you know, in, yeah. in a couple games. I mean, you certainly, I certainly wouldn't play him 30 minutes a game for three straight days no. on that knee. Um, all that matters really is getting him back healthy. I mean... You want to solidify a top two seed, I think. And you want to solidify yes. an opportunity. If you're not a one, that you want to solidify that you have an opportunity to be, as a two to be in Louisville, which means you're not way down the pecking order. Um, but, but, I mean, honestly, you're never you're not going to slip past a three seed at this point. Yeah. And if you're a two or a three, does it really matter as long as Reed Travis is healthy? Probably not. So um, yeah, that's, we'll that's going to be interesting just to see how they manage him. But I, But – for this game, I don't. I don't think Reed Travis plays. I agree. I wouldn't even travel him. Probably. Well, I mean, how much? That's Leave a, him here and rehab him. Well, he went to Knoxville though. I'm, that's uh, an easy bus ride. That's uh, true. I, guess I don't they, put him in an airplane. Do you think airplanes hurt um, your knee? Airplanes do weird stuff to your like circulation and and things like that. It's true. That's why you were supposed. To, I have to wear the socks. Do you? You wear the you wear the uh, yeah blood clots regulatory. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we yeah. talked about this. Not on this podcast. If you want to know anything about blood clots, <laughs> just hit me up in the DMs. <laughs> me in the DMs, especially for, if you're an IG yeah. model. Since Keldon Johnson doesn't love you, I'll love that's you. Right. IG models only. PJ. Um, but, okay, but let's just do the prediction real quick. Like, what do you think ends up happening in this game? Uh, I mean, is it going to be close? Is Kentucky going to win? What are your thoughts? I think they're really susceptible in this game, but I, I think I do think. Um, I mean, they're going to be on alert about their perimeter defense. I mean, that's probably the only thing they're talking about is how these guards are going to light you up. And mm-hmm. there's a pride thing, and uh, you know, I don't think I don't think both Keldon and Tyler uh, Tyler Hero are are going to be as ice cold as they were both in Knoxville. Yeah. I mean, one for ten from three what was it four for twenty overall or six for twenty. Uh, I don't think they're going to be. I, maybe one stays cold because Keldon Johnson's kind of on a four game. Uh, skid offensively. Yeah. He did have a 17 rebound game, and he's been bad offensively. But like Tyler Hero hasn't strung together a whole bunch of bad games in yeah. a row. He's been, with the exception of Knoxville, Knoxville really good on the road. Um, Over 50% from oh, yeah. three. So I think 
And you know, and I think I'm sure they'll defend PJ the same way. They'll double him. They'll try to deny him the post. But he's he's going to get his teammates. He's he's making smart plays. He's going to get his teammates open shots. He did that in Knoxville. Yes. There and I think enough will probably go down that they can win that game. But I think this is a really dangerous game. Ole Miss took Tennessee to the wire right before they played uh, well, on Saturday, and and on their most recent game they lost to. Uh, Arkansas? Uh, Arkansas, yes, on a buzzer beater because it was back-to-back buzzer beaters, basically. I mean, the Tennessee wasn't a buzzer right. beater, but it was a last possession Down to the game. last, yeah. Yeah, and so, like, that was because I rolled on the – was listening to the SEC teleconference current, and those things are kind of – pointless to a certain extent <laughs> but i have him on this basically background noise and kermit davis was like that was the main line of questioning to his how do you recover after two losses where you probably thought you should have won because i think there was a questionable call in the late game in the arkansas of course everybody knows about the late game in the tennessee game uh, where schofield takes a charge and people kind of disagree with that to a certain extent so i mean they'll be uh, I think Calipari dis- described them as desperate i think that that is a, a accurate description of how they're going to be in this game yeah, and should be. I mean, probably in the NCAA tournament, but definitely in and yeah. comfortably in if they beat Kentucky. Um, I think that crowd will be wild. That's a beautiful arena. I mean, it's like gorgeous. Um, yep. And, yeah, I think that fan base is excited about Kermit. They were terrible last year. This is a pretty – I mean, and the, and if you factor in a couple of close losses, I mean, there, there are two or three close losses from this being a really special season, but as is – it is a dramatic turnaround. Yeah, and, he, and and the team he left, MTSU, where it was like twenty five wins every season, and they as a two as a as a fifteen beat a two seeded Michigan State in the NCAA tournament. I mean that, that program was cruising. I think they had a twenty eight or thirty win season. They are like six and something this year. They're they're horrific. Not good. Many 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 games below five hundred. So Kermit is a really good coach. That's the other piece of this. Yes. He's a great coach. He's going to have them ready, have a plan of attack ready to hit Kentucky where it is weak. And right now it's weak without Reed Travis. Weaker. Yes. Uh, coming up next, we're going to tell the tales from Tennessee, including a thing we didn't mention at the very end of the game. Um, before that, I do got to tell you a quick thing about Skyline Chili. Been telling you guys a little while now about Skyline Chili, and this week is a special week because here in Lexington, it is Taco Week, and Skyline Chili is in the mix. Uh, Listen, Taco Week is awesome. It's a cool event. A portion of the proceeds will be donated to Casa de la Culture of Kentucky. Um, Passports to this event, so you can kind of keep track of all the tacos that you have. You can rate them. It's a really fun event. Um, Can be picked up and stamped at all locations. Skyline's Taco is, of course, a taco salad, and it's on the secret menu, so you got to ask for it. Uh, Skyline's Taco Salads can be purchased via carryout, dine-in, or through the drive-thru. We're recording right now on Monday for the Tuesday edition of the podcast. I have not gone to Skyline to check it out, but I'm going to get out there soon because I'm really interested to see what it is. So go check out the Skyline Chili on Richmond Road and get yourself the taco salad from Skyline. You know it's delicious because it's from Skyline. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. Kyle, we didn't get to this on the last edition of the show. At least I hope we didn't because everything's running together. I know, right? Um, but the, the, did you have any problem with the Admiral Schofield dunk? No. Okay. No. Uh, for one... Uh, it didn't well, count. I mean, well, yeah, it didn't count. Uh I mean, no. I mean, you know, you threw it away into the backcourt. It was like right there for the taking. Yeah. I, mean, I guess he could have just dribbled it out, but like his crowd is like 
yeah. going crazy. You've humiliated them on their on your floor. You know, no, no, okay. I really didn't. Um, hey, some people have pointed out that Montgomery threw down a late dunk in the Kentucky game. The difference was they had to shoot with the amount of time that was left on the clock at the end of the game in Rupp. So people have kind of thought maybe this was a you know, tit Did for tat. Did they shoot, though? Because it yes, was like it a was, transition. It was, it was, but there were 30, 38 seconds or something to go. Like they would have had to have shot. I thought or, there was only like five seconds left in the game. No, E.J. Montgomery's, if I'm remembering right, there was still time. Either way, like same deal. Like you got the ball, he's like, you, it's like a turnover or a long rebound, and you, get, you pitch it ahead and he's wide open like, Dunk it. Go for it. Like, put the exclamation point on your, your win. Like, so you hate sportsmanship? No, I just don't like it. It wasn't taunting. It's a basketball play. Like, yeah, I mean, that's it's the thing. Not, it's not like he got up and danced. He it's not like. He made a basketball play. Yeah, it's not like Trey Young just openly taunting yeah, people. Yeah, the guy turns and makes a look to the guy and gets teed up. The worst technical in the NBA this year. Yeah, if you Google Trey Young technical, you'll be shocked. At yeah, what it was very bad last night. But, I mean, uh, it's a basketball play. Yeah. It's not taunting. I'm, it, I'm, it's just... You turned it over and we dunked it. Get over it. Like yes. don't 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 stink so bad. <laughs> you know, I mean they were terrible. Kentucky deserved to get kind of punked at the end. I mean just like Tennessee did in Rupp Arena. You know, like EJ Montgomery could have dribbled around and run the clock down and whatever, turned it over out of ceremonial whatever BS. He dunked it cuz he was open cuz you turned it over again. Like I don't know. Okay. People, uh, but like people, you know, Oh, that's going to show up. Kentucky's going to be fueled by that. No, if they're not fueled by getting the hell beat out of them all day long, by having Jordan Bone undress every dude on the in the backcourt. Figuratively. Yeah. I mean, like that's what you would hope they'd be mad about. I, yes. I can't imagine they're like, you dunked it after we threw it to the wrong end of the court at the end of the game? Like, Oh, I didn't see anything okay. about that at all. I also, agree with by you. By the way, he played a terrible game. They got they got a yeah. they got a like five for eighteen whatever shooting per, or three for fifteen shooting performance out of Admiral Schofield and got drilled. Yeah, that's pretty remarkable. But yes, uh, and then we mentioned it on the on the uh, same as you. I'm trying to like keep track of radio and podcast what we've said. But I, it was on Leach's show this morning. I hadn't even like really thought about it until I said it. I was looking at the box score. Bone and Grant Williams alone almost beat Kentucky. It was 52 points for Kentucky and 51 points for those two guys. I mean, it was two guys. And really, I mean, it was really Jordan Bone. Yes. I mean, he just killed them. When you go 27 points on 13 shot attempts and turn it over zero times, you've just absolutely destroyed it. And he played really well in the first meeting. If they play again, that is a major concern. Yes. Whether Grant Williams, I mean, whether Reed Travis is back or not. All right. Um, so when we were, how was your experience in Knoxville, Kyle? Game? <laughs> it was good. I couldn't get, like, it took me like an hour to get connected to the internet. Yeah, and I finally crazy. had to have a guy come help me. Thankfully, he did right before the game started. I was kind of freaking out. Like, all, I don't need even food at games or even just really internet. a good seat. I just need working internet. <laughs> like, I'm not, a, I'm not a super snobby media guy. I don't care if I have the worst seat of the media people. Like, I don't need to be in the front row. I just really want One. my internet to work. <laughs> well, and it was not working. And it, even when it was, like, connected, it was very slow. Yeah, I won't I complain about that. I that didn't was, was a good trip. have internet um, at my seat. And I was actually excited about my seat because I was in, like, auxiliary, quote-unquote. And next to me was, well, actually, I'll just tell myself real quick. Hopefully, Tennessee isn't 
the media relations isn't listening to this because I'll probably get in trouble. But I like switched my placard <laughs> because it was like it was like radio guy, radio guy, me, radio guy, and then next to that radio guy was NBA scouts. So I'm like, I want to see you want to get by the scout. So I like switched my placard, and like when I got up there and was seeing where my seat was, I actually did talk to one, uh, one from the Pistons, and I like had a little conversation about Dwayne Casey, former Kentucky yep. player. It was great. Like I'm like, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to sit next to it was a Nick scout. I'm like, talk about Kevin yeah. Knox during timeouts and all this stuff well that didn't happen instead two tennessee fans sat sat in those seats i think they were like one of them the what was i i'm surmising that it was a husband and wife i'm thinking the husband worked in some radio and might have been like a former either player or member of the staff but he was they were in all orange so it was weird covering a game next Sitting to the next people to the fan, who were cheering them the and in front of me of course were fans so like i had to stand to see some right. so i'm not complaining really about any of that but in the post game we didn't talk about this on the last podcast the whole ordeal of poor oh, nick richards and right. emmanuel quickly trying to talk to the press the was microphone a feedback yeah it was it was the worst i've ever heard in like a, <laughs> any kind of like real professional setting i mean you've seen it at like a you know, high school, uh, you know, drama production or something. Or the, like in a movie where the principal's trying to address the, yeah, stu- yeah. the nerdy principal's trying to address the students and he can't <laughs> get it out because of the microphone feedback. <laughs> Kids, settle down. <laughs> That's basically what was going on the entire. Nick Richards looked like he wanted to die up there. <laughs> he was so miserable after that game. And then every one of us tried to ask a question following protocol with this microphone and like. <laughs> And then everybody just went rogue. Yeah, I started shouting out questions. But it was happening to Nick's microphone, too, right? It was yes. happening on both ends um, until everybody just kind of gave up. It was, uh, it was a mess. Poor Nick just looked sad and annoyed and confused by why all these microphones were screaming at him. But it was that kind of day for Kentucky. Not a whole lot went right. I mean, I, I guess the one thing they could say is they got out of there without any injuries. That's true. Nobody got hurt. Um, but... And we haven't even mentioned in the press room, and you didn't notice it, but it was right in front of me. There was water. Leaking water. I didn't see it Dripping at all. from the ceiling. Lovely. Thompson Ball, in general, Thompson Bowling Arena is very nice. No, I feel like we're complaining a lot, but overall, the experience. Oh, uh, and the crowd. I mean, uh, the other thing I would say is I, I think the fewest Kentucky fans I've seen get into an arena since the, I think I said the Indiana game in the championship year. And that was like a game where those Indiana fans like made it a mission that week, I remember. Yeah. Like, don't let Kentucky fans have your tickets. And I could count them. Like, it was maybe less than 50 got into that arena that day out of like 17,000. And it was bonkers in there. The be- I think at Indiana 2011-12 season, the best environment I've ever been in. It, this was not quite that. Um, but it was you know, 99.9% Tennessee fans. And there's often a lot of Kentucky fans that get in there. Yes. Um, and there it was really fans. loud and there was a lot for, you know, there was a lot to cheer about. Um, so, you know, two, I think two home games where both crowds were packed out really good, really into it. I think it would have been crazier if it was a night game. Yes. Um, I, I saw some Tennessee fans in the garage that were like complaining they couldn't get drunk enough before the <laughs> – <laughs> and that's the same is true of the Kentucky fan. Like, if you play a big game that's at night in that place and they got that all day to get lubed up 
it makes a difference. Yeah, I would put it like like the Tennessee. There were way more Tennessee fans in Rupp than there were Kentucky fans in Thompson. Way more. Yeah, yeah, and there were that I also had remarked about that that night that like that was mm-hmm. an unusual amount of Tennessee fans getting into Rupp Arena. Yep. Uh, coming up next, we're gonna have a quick discussion on Josh Allen. You are locked on Kentucky, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Okay, time for a little bit of NFL draft talk. As I noted earlier in the podcast, this was recorded before the combine. It's still a great conversation. Actually, we're going to have part two of this conversation later on in the week. So t- stay tuned for that. Now joined by John Ledyard of Locked On NFL Draft. And you also do some great work on your guys' website. Um, let, just kind of quickly, sell your guys' podcast. Obviously, we got the NFL Draft coming up. Tons of Kentucky guys are going to be in it. Uh, where can people hear you guys and uh, read your work? Yeah, over at thedraftnetwork.com is where you can read a lot of our written work. And uh, Trevor Sekema and I co-host uh, the Locked On NFL Draft podcast five days a week. And you can find that at all all the spots you listen to this podcast as well. Awesome. So let's just jump right in with some of these these Kentucky guys. Start at the top because uh, I think the guy that is was a ton, a huge story here in Kentucky and is now a huge story uh, for the NFL Draft is is Josh Allen. What do you make of him overall, and then what do you make of his chances of being that top pick? I don't think his chances of being the top pick are great, uh, but I do think he'll be a top 10 pick, probably a top 5 pick. Uh, testing will be important for him, but uh, elite football character type of guy, work ethic, you know, demeanor, all the things that you kind of want in that regard. Obviously, production in the SEC will be eye-popping to teams. As traits look good on tape, I think that that will need to be reinforced at the combine uh, for teams. But absolutely, I think I mean his development from from junior to senior year is one of the craziest things I've ever seen. You know, I watched him as a junior. I watched several games, and I was just like, I'm not sure this guy's a top one under pick. Like he's versatile, but he doesn't really rush the pass really well or win one v one. He doesn't really bend the edge. Like I'm, I was like, I don't know what he does really well. Uh, and then this year, I mean, just put it together, getting his ankles or his, his feet and his hips pointed to the pocket as a pass rusher, uh, starting to use his hands a little bit more. Just really the body control, you know, as a pass rusher, bending the edge and dipping under contact and stuff like that. I mean, he just put it together in a way that he wasn't even close to the year before. It felt like they let him attack more too. So, man, I just think he was uh, he was sensational this past season, and he can cover like. That's the thing. Josh Allen is like unbelievable in coverage. So if you run a three-four scheme that asks your outside linebackers to do that, uh, I just think he he can be a real asset in that way. And I don't normally care about that part of playing on the edge. You know, if you can rush faster, that's all I need really. But the fact that he can do that in coverage is really it makes him a really interesting player. He has some concerns in terms of a point of attack, run defenses, suspected times. I don't think it's a, the end of the world or anything, but uh, I think it's his suspected times in that way, and he doesn't really have an arsenal of moves yet. You know, he doesn't really have counter moves or go-to counters or anything like that. He doesn't really know how to set guys up. He's not a super savvy rusher right now. You know, Brian Burns, Chicago Polite, Cleveland Farrell all have better plans of attack than Josh Allen, uh, but I do love Allen's production and his traits, and I think that that gives him a really good chance to be, and along with his size, of course, gives him a chance to be the second edge rusher off the board after Nick Bozo. Do NFL teams care at all about his lack of pedigree pre-college where I mean I'm sure most everybody listening to the you know our podcast Locked on Kentucky is aware you only had Monmouth and then Kentucky swooped in late or is that once you get to college it's just kind of like the restarting the whole process yeah definitely restarting the whole process I'm you know for him I don't think it's a big uh, for the NFL I mean I don't think it's a big deal 
uh, at this point in time, you know, where they've come from or anything like that. I think the biggest deal for the NFL is just what they've done recently, how they've produced, how they've developed, you know, things like that. So um, I think that that's probably the biggest thing. Uh, and as long as that continues to happen for him and the arrow continues to point up in the traits, at the combat especially, you know, suggests that the arrow's still continuing to point up, uh, then I think that'll be that'll be really good for his stock. I want to talk about Lonnie Johnson because, in all honesty, you know, going into this season from the Kentucky football standpoint, if you were ranking guys in the secondary, I don't know, fourth, maybe fifth, if you, like, really were kind of low on him. But uh, recently, he's been shooting up a lot of mock drafts that I've seen. He's been getting a lot of buzz. Uh, when we talked to the U.K. coaches a couple weeks ago, they said that some people are considering him maybe a first-round pick. Where do you see him going? Um, is first round like a crazy ceiling? Is that actually possible for him? Oh, man, it, I guess it's possible. You wouldn't know it by watching him on tape. I think his tape is really brutal. You know, I think he really has a long way to go uh, as a football player. Just no natural feel really at all, and um, you know, obviously not great production either. I get his size and his length and are intriguing, and he should run well. But I think he's I think he's a huge project, man. I would never want to take that risk in the first round. I mean, off his tape, I think he's a day three type of player, a developmental type of guy. Uh, but I, I agree he was better at the senior bowl than he was on tape. Um, so if you put a lot of stock in that, I get that got teams excited. And if he continue that at the combine, I mean, we've seen we've seen players with pretty bad tape going round one if they have amazing traits. So I guess they can consider there's something to develop there, but I mean, I, I do think he's probably, if he tests well, going to be at least a top 60, top 64 pick. And, wow. you know, I mean, uh, do you can get into whether he's worth that or not, too. But I'm with you. I mean, I agree. Like, if you're asking me who the best players in the secondary were last year on tape, he's fourth out of the four okay. guys that are in this class, uh, you know. So, I, I, I get his traits are good. And I think, you know, maybe that can help him be a better NFL player than the rest of those guys. But I think he's a long way off from that. It really is kind of nice to hear you who who look at these guys with a lot closer eye than I do. But just watching the games, it, it just seemed like he was not he was not given the production, and they were throwing at him a lot more on defense. And when I heard all these kind of you know like this the rising stock of Lonnie Johnson, it was it was kind of head scratching to me because when I looked around the secondary this whole season, I thought that's the guy you pick on. And it seemed like some other right. teams were, but uh, that makes sense that they're still trying to project him to a certain extent. And it makes sense that you could you could sell yourself on that, considering you know he was a JUCO and had to sit out the season before he came to Kentucky. So I guess in theory he could still learn a little bit mm-hmm. more football. Right, that's probably how they see it. Uh, I mean, he definitely has a higher ceiling than Derek Beatty. I get that. I understand that. I think he's definitely the better athlete, but. He's going to really have to test great, I think, for me to get excited about him as a prospect in the top 100. To be honest, like I don't have him, I don't have him great in the top 100 right now, and I, I really think it's going to have to be elite testing for him to move into that range or even close to that range for me because I don't see it on tape, and it is very rare, I think, that a player with this little feel develops the rest of the way at the NFL level. They just don't have time. They don't teach. They don't teach that well at the NFL level. Most most places that he would end up, especially at that position. So. Um, I just think it's it, it's kind of a long shot for him to get to the ceiling that NFL teams may envision him having. You mentioned Derek Beatty. What, what do you think of his his prospects overall? I liked him coming into the year. I thought he was better in 2017 than 2018. I haven't finished his evaluation. I've given him a grade yet, but I've seen a good bit of him still this year. Watch Kentucky a lot, and uh, I think that uh, 
um, at the Shrine game he played, and it, he's very just hot and cold. Uh, almost that's kind of always been his thing. Mm-hmm. I think it increased this past year. I thought he was more hot and cold than he even was the year before. But um, there'll be times where he looks great technically, and then times where he, he doesn't look so good. There'll be missed tackles in space, and there'll be times when he flies up and just absolutely levels someone with a perfect form tackle. Um, you know, so there's just kind of all those ups and downs with him. You're not going to get great ball production. You know, he doesn't play great with his back to the ball or anything like that. But he's made some decent plays on the ball over the course of his career at Kentucky. Uh, so we were probably always talking about a day three guy. But now it's probably the question of, is he going to get drafted or not? Um, I think there's some, maybe some work ethic concerns teams will have to work through and figure out. If he tests great, you probably overlook those. If not... It maybe adds to the to the list of concerns with him, but I like the chirps. I like his demeanor as a corner, short memory type of guy. Even the trying game, though, there's always like attention to detail stuff. Like he missed coming in uh, to the to the game when when they subbed in, he missed his group subbing in, and the coaches yell at him, and they tell him when you intercept a pass or pick up a fumble, you take it to the end zone, and he picked one up and then threw it on the ground and didn't take it to the end zone, and so then they yelled at him for that. And it was just kind of one of those things, like you could tell he was that guy. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're always kind of having to like watch out and like to remind him to do things right. And you know, that kind of stuff. So is he worth that? I guess, you know, I mean, I, I don't need to slander his character. He seemed like a really fun, energetic guy when he was down there, you know, but he, but he's kind of one of those personalities, I think that you've got to, you know, what did the trade show? Do they match up with this? You know, is this somebody we want to invest in? And I don't think he's a great athlete, but he has to prove he's not a bad athlete at the combine so that'll be important for him but probably a day three pick uh, i think he deserves to get drafted though and i think that um he'll garner consideration if he tests well uh john thanks so much for all your time man and let everybody know where they can read your stuff and listen to the, your guys's podcast yeah absolutely you can uh you can read my stuff at the draft and follow the podcast locked on nfl draft and you can follow me on twitter at ledyard l-e-d-y-a-r-d nfl draft Thanks to John for joining the podcast. Check out his work. He actually had an awesome article on Josh Allen that came from the Combine because he talked to a little bunch of different guys from the offensive line standpoint, and the kind of premise of the column was, who's the hardest guy you had to go against? Josh Allen was getting a lot of those things. I'll I'll tweet that out from the Locked On um, Kentucky account, so you can find it there on Twitter. Um, And I'm also going to retweet, we were talking about the kind of disaster of a press conference that... Nick Richards and Emmanuel quickly had. I'm going to tweet that out as well because um, I had a little short clip uh, from that. I'll retweet that from the Locked On Kentucky account as well. Be sure to be following along with that show account. Kind of get you all the all the episodes and those kind of deals. A little easier to find because Kyle and I probably tweet a little bit too much. So I try to kind of we'll drop some things that we discuss on the podcast in that feed to keep it a little bit cleaner, keep it easier to recognize. You can also find us on Facebook. Just search Locked On Kentucky. Follow me on Twitter at Curtis Birch, B-U-R-C-H. Follow Kyle at Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. Both of us will be in Oxford for the game against Ole Miss, so be sure to be following along with all our updates from there. Please rate, review, subscribe, and then most importantly, share this with somebody else who would enjoy the show. Thanks again to Skylines for sponsoring this edition of the show. Get out and check out that taco that they're putting on their, their menu up there. We will talk to you guys soon. You are Locked On Kentucky, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. Welcome to Locked On Kentucky. Don't delete it this time, Curtis.